Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Paul, back with you. I've upped my meds, so uh, just trying to keep up. Oh, man. It's a, it's a miracle we aren't all insane. Maybe we are. Uh, we have good reason to be. Insane with everything that's happened here the last couple of years between the pandemic and uh, now just when we thought we were coming out of the pandemic, now we have a war, an invasion of Ukraine. Did you hear what Volodymyr Zelensky said yesterday, uh, DJ? No, I have not heard that yet. Sounded like Winston Churchill. Hmm. Here's what he said, and I'm sure he did borrow uh, from Winston Churchill, and, th- and that's okay. Um, Zelensky said, we will not give up, we will not lose. We will fight to the end in the sea and in the air. We will fight for our land, whatever the costs. We will fight in the forests, in the fields, on the shores, in the streets. So that is what... Um, the leader of Ukraine, who has risen to the moment and, uh, I guess, embarrassed Putin. I mean, he, he was a comedian, a television comic who played the role of somebody who became president on TV and became so popular he was actually elected to be the real president of Ukraine. And uh, there were a lot of people... who doubted his capabilities and thought he was in way over his head. But uh, he's staying put. It would have been easy to hop a flight, hop a chopper to Poland. He has not. He has survived an estimated dozen assassination attempts. And he keeps moving around and uh, just trying to stay alive like everybody in Ukraine right now. And uh, here's the thing that caught my eye. CIA Director William Burns yesterday said that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has fallen far short of Vladimir Putin's expectations. You think? And apparently the head of the CIA believes the Russian president is likely to escalate military operations in the weeks and months to come. His quote, he said... I think Putin is angry and frustrated right now. He's likely to double down and try to grind down the Ukrainian military 
with no regard for civilian casualties. His military planning and assumptions were based on a quick, decisive victory. Residents of the Ukraine have stepped up in a big way that's inspiring people all around the world. They're fighting for their homeland. There's growing concern that Russia could use chemical weapons in Ukraine. Uh, some of the same disinformation that was used with Russia's proxies in Syria is being heard now, chatter, in Ukraine. What happens if Putin resorts to chemical weapons in an effort to speed things up? And uh, hopefully it's just hype. But there is concern about the use of tactical nuclear weapons, not the big intercontinental ballistic missiles that that go from continent to continent, but the smaller yield nuclear weapons. And again, that hasn't happened since 1945. Would, would Putin really pull that card? Would he play that card? If he was in a corner and losing, losing badly and uh, the economy in ruins, we don't know if he's a rational actor or not. But we're hoping to get some perspective on not only Vladimir Putin, but on the struggle between Mother Russia and Ukraine. My understanding, Russia believes, and Putin points out his version of history, that Ukraine has always been a part of Russia. And he wants to reunite Ukraine with Russia and reconstitute some version 2.0 of the Soviet Union, have that buffer, that buffer zone between, between Russia and NATO, who he views as an offensive rather than a defensive uh, alliance. When we come back, Dr. Chris Gertz from Bethel University has been studying what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. He has some historical perspective up next. Paul Douglas back with you. Thank you for tuning in. It's Wednesday. Hope your day is going well. And thank you for your feedback about what you're doing with higher gas prices. We're going to keep that conversation going right up until about 6 o'clock. And, of course, everything is interconnected. We live in an interconnected global society. For better or worse, what happens on the other side of the planet many times blows back on our everyday lives. And yeah, we're, we're grappling with inflation. Even before Russia invaded Ukraine, the price for just about everything was going up. Uh, the economy was heating up, more people getting back to work, and, and that had an inflationary impact. And now, with uh, oil prices in some cases going up 40, 50, 70 percent in the span of a week or two. There's real doubt about what's going to happen with the economy, with inflation. I wanted to back up a few steps and talk with Dr. Chris Gertz at Bethel University, who hopefully can provide some perspective on why we're seeing what we're seeing in the news right now with Russia invading Ukraine. How have we gotten to this moment in history? Dr. Gertz, welcome. 
Dr. Gertz, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, glad to be here, Paul. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, your studies and, and your takeaways, because one of the questions I get from people is, well, look, Ukraine used to be a part of the Soviet Union. Why are they at war today? Yeah, I know, and you should really have someone do, like, medieval history and go back a thousand years. But I'm a 20th century historian. I teach classes at Bethel in World War II and the Cold War, so I thought a lot about this. Um, I mean, I think you have to go back to, like, World War I. Russia enters that war in 1914. It's run by Russians, but Ukraine is part of that empire. But the war goes so badly that Russia has a revolution in 1917, and by 1922 you get this communist state called the Soviet Union. And Ukraine is part of that, along with Russia and other republics. Um, and a, it's a multinational state, but increasingly Russians dominate it. And over time, it becomes really difficult for Ukrainians. Um, I think a key moment here is in 1932 and 1933, something like 4 million Ukrainians starved to death. It's called the Holodomor. And it's it's caused by the policies of Joseph Stalin, the Soviet dictator. And it's really unknown in the West, but it really scars Ukraine for decades to come. And so when the Soviet Union breaks up in 1991, both Russia, Ukraine, and the other republics go their separate ways and, and start developing separate systems of government, separate economies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ukraine has been the separate state ever since, but... There's always been a strain of Russian nationalism that doesn't accept this, that never wanted the Tsar's empire to fall, that didn't want the Soviet Union to collapse, and Vladimir Putin's a good example of this. He does not see Ukraine as a separate nation, but as under the, the um, Russian thumb. And there's been a minority in the Ukrainian population that's wanted close ties with Russia, but increasingly most Ukrainians see Russia as a threat, and they've wanted closer ties with the European Union, with the United States, with NATO, with the West. Dr. Gertz, I'm, I'm curious, is it that Putin can't abide a free and democratic Ukraine right next to Russia? Uh, is it Ukraine he's worried about, or is it the concept of democracy and representative democracy, people voting for the leaders they want, people who want to be free like most Ukrainians. Is that the real threat to Putin's uh, regime at this point? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think it's probably both. I mean, there's that, uh, in some way, the desire to reconstitute a Russian empire and, and rejecting Ukraine as a nation. But yeah, I mean, Ukraine is a semi-successful post-Soviet experiment in democracy. Um, there's a an organization in New York called Freedom House that does ratings on political and civil liberty and Ukraine scores like 60-something out of 100, right? It's described as partly free. It still has issues with uh, corruption, but Russia is under 20. And that's before some of what we've seen the last three weeks with uh, dissent being suppressed. So I, I would say that is partly what's at stake here. Like, if you're bothered by this, one reason you should be bothered is that sometimes authoritarians can't abide a population that doesn't do what they want. And for some time, Putin has been willing to support pro-Russian politicians in Ukraine. but That's been less successful over time. And so since 2014, he's increasingly leaned on either an invasion or supporting separatist groups in the borderlands. Um, so I, I, I do think that's partly what's at stake here. Can an authoritarian regime abide a democracy that close at hand? 
Some people, a handful of politicians, a minority, thankfully, make the case, well, how would you think if Canada uh, or Mexico uh, was in a threatening posture and, and had weapons and, you know, if, if our concern was on our next door neighbors and they make the point, and I don't know if there's any historical accuracy to this, Professor, I hope you'll clear this up, that James Baker back in the late 90s, after Gorbachev said, okay, Germany can be reunified under one condition, that NATO doesn't go one inch farther east. And apparently, and, and you hear different things from different historians, whether or not that really happened. But in Putin's mind, his paranoid view of the world, NATO is not a defensive force defending against a Russian attack. It is an offensive threat. And, and at least that's how he apparently views the world and views the West and, and doesn't want NATO and, and weapons right up against his border. But he already has that in Latvia and, and other countries in the Baltics. So do you, do you subscribe to any of that as, as a possible rationale for why Putin uh, absolutely does not want Ukraine to become a member of NATO? Yeah, I mean, let me go back to where you started with uh, the notion of um, a Canada or a Mexico um, seeming like a threat to the United States. I mean, partly what we just need to understand as Americans is we're so accustomed to not having these threats. I mean, if we think about our borders, we're thinking about immigration, but we, we live in a society that doesn't have to deal with this. I think that's what makes this all so hard for us to understand is the notion of um, the possibility of a war across borders. I mean, it, if you go back to the 1990s, there's real debate about should NATO continue to exist once the Soviet Union is not there? And if it does, should it expand into the former Soviet zone? And part of the problem is that there are Eastern Europeans and people in like the Baltic Republics who very much want NATO, right? They, they still see Russia as a threat, and they see um, value to being connected to the West. So I, I think that, at least at one point, was a legitimate question to ask. Should NATO exist? Where should its borders be? It's very hard to, for me to think that there's a reason to think that NATO is an offensive threat, right? It, it is a threat in the sense that it uh, is a collective security arrangement to defend against invasion, and so there's a reason that Vladimir Putin is not going to invade Latvia or Lithuania or Poland or Hungary, right? Right. But that's right. not an offensive threat. That, that, that's actually a deterrent against the kind of thing we're seeing in Ukraine, where one very large power can invade its smaller neighbors. Professor, last question, and, and this has been very insightful, and, and I appreciate you uh, weighing in with your perspective on this, but... 44 million people in Ukraine. Now it's it's less than that because, what, two, three million people have, have fled the country. Zelensky is still there, as far as we know. My understanding, the Russians have about 150, 170,000 troops. But to, uh, to secure Ukraine over the long haul, an occupation would require many, many hundreds of thousands of troops, capabilities that perhaps Russia doesn't want to commit to Ukraine. How do you see it, what, what kind of an end game, knowing what you do about the history of Ukraine, 
do you think Ukraine will be able to hold out and ultimately prevail, that there will be a resistance that the Russians simply can't crush over time? Sure. And I mean, this is this is really beyond my ken. I'm not an expert in Ukrainian politics or even Russia. But like as a historian, one thing that I have thought a lot about is what, what is the purpose of war? Right? War is uh, politics by other means. Right. There's got to be some political end here. And I guess I assumed when Russia invaded three weeks ago, it was not meant to occupy the entire country to annex the entirety um, maybe some of the borderlands, but probably to install a more supportive pro-Russian regime by force. Mm-hmm. And in theory, that's still possible. But I think the degree of not just Ukrainian, but international revulsion at this and the uh, fairly quick economic impact of sanctions and exports being cut off and other sorts of penalties I mean, it is a good question to ask at this point, what does Putin think he's going to win? Um, you know, Minnesota native Tom Friedman, the New York Times columnist, had a, had a piece up asking, what can Putin win out of this? And in some ways, that should be really frightening to us, um, because he does possess nuclear weapons, right? And, yeah. And it's also possible that if the sanctions work as they're intended, it could provoke political change in Russia, which can bring about the downfall of the regime, but also produces incredible instability in what's still a very powerful country that has a nuclear arsenal that has a very large you know oil and gas supply that i don't think we've seen the end of the aftershocks of this invasion unfortunately well i i wish i had had you as a professor uh when i was in college because i've, I've really enjoyed the last 10 minutes uh professor of history at bethel university dr chris gertz can we have you back on again Oh, I'd love to. And you can audit any class anytime you want, Paul. (laughs) I would really like that. I would enjoy that. Thank you, Professor. Appreciate your time today. Sure. Have a good night. You too. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, we don't know what we don't know, but we're trying to figure it all out. When we come back, a quiz. What's the quiz today, DJ? Is it on gas prices? Yeah, it's going to be on gas prices and fuel economy and all sorts of interesting stuff. Oh, all I right. expect you to do poorly because you drive an electric vehicle. <laughs> I also drive a, ga- I drive a gas-powered yeah, yeah, okay, and I drive okay, an electric. Okay. I got a, a foot in both camps. Stick around. See how poorly I perform on this quiz. And you can play along. Next. Hey, Jorah will be back with us, with DJ and me and you, next week. Back in the studio, you can listen to her this week. She's filling in 9 to noon, doing an amazing job. Hurricane Jordana, Category 5. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If I've ever met one. DJ, um, I sense another painful quiz <laughs> that's going to show just how stupid I am. Well, oh. I don't know about that, but... Uh, well, yeah, we're yes, little- you do. A little quiz about fuel economy. You know, for for ten years, I I, I drove a little Saturn, little S series Saturn manual transmission. I bought it in college, yeah. and it got thirty two, thirty three miles a gallon with the manual wow. transmission. And I always thought it was the last six months of driving the car, and then it never died. I had it for ten years, and then I finally decided I couldn't buckle my kids into the back seat of that you know rust bucket, so I I, I had to let it go. <laughs> but I. I bought it for seven hundred. I drove for ten years, getting thirty miles a gallon plus, and then sold it for five hundred. So that's um, awesome. That's awesome. Hey, that's cheap driving. I'm not that, quite that cheap anymore. I guess <laughs> that reminds me of my my first vehicle yeah. was a a powder blue VW Bug. Okay, I bought for eight hundred fifty bucks. Yep, yep. And two years later, I sold it for eight hundred fifty bucks. Nice, yes. And that was a manual. Yeah. And it got about 30, 35 miles yeah, per great. gallon. That's great. And I could, it had a sunroof. I could stick my head out. <laughs> was that the air conditioning? Above the sunroof <laughs> as I was driving, which, man. Yeah. <laughs> 16 and stupid. All yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm stalling now. Okay. Uh, Hit me. Okay, we, this is a quiz. It's all about fuel economy and gas and stuff like that because that's our topic for the day. Um, the first question is, which of these will help improve your fuel economy? Which of these three things will help improve your fuel economy? A, warming up your car before you start driving down the road. Make sure it's warm mm-hmm. and efficient. B, avoiding your cruise control because the cruise can... Uh, can not be good for gas mileage. Or C, removing your car's roof rack. Which one of those will help your fuel economy? I think the roof rack, that should reduce drag. My understanding is the newer cars, you don't want to warm them up. There's no need to warm them up. You're wasting gas by warming them up. I, I think it's the roof rack, which, which would create some drag. That's correct. Yeah, and there's you know there's different reports and obviously different vehicles, but some reports say uh, it could be up to around seven percent uh, fuel savings. So that's significant. If you really? especially if it's like an aftermarket roof rack, right? With the ones that are built into the car, usually they're pretty good. But if you uh-huh. have an aftermarket, you've got a Thule or something like that, uh, might be a good time wow. to take that off and see if you can save a couple dollars. So, okay, good to know. Uh, true or false? Having clean engine oil can improve your fuel economy. True. That's right. I think we all hear tips like having your tires inflated and things like that, but actually making sure to have your scheduled oil changes, having clean engine oil can make your car more efficient as well. How often do you put oil in your in your vehicle? To put, uh, uh, I, I change, well, one vehicle I change at 3,000, the other one's five. Five thousand. Okay, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and and I do it myself, Paul. I'm sure you do too, but uh, I, I do it in the garage. I I don't put <laughs> oil in the Tesla. <laughs> you tried that once? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I do put oil in the uh, 
The X7, the yeah. BMW X7. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's gotten pretty easy. The maintenance is easier yeah. than it was 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, okay. We, we always hear about the term a barrel of oil, right? Well, an actual, right. they're talking about crude oil when you hear that term. And a barrel right. of crude of oil has about 42 gallons of crude in it. And then that still needs to get refined. So after the refining process... How many gallons of usable gasoline come out of that 42 gallons of crude? Is it? And then there's other products too, right? They refine Oof. it down and then there's other products they make from the rest of it. Is it 19 gallons or 25 gallons or 41 gallons? What's the, uh, I think it's 25. It's the middle one. No, no it's, not. it's actually only 19 gallons of gas come out of that. 42, 42 gallons of crude. So it's a little bit less than half. But again, there's lots and lots of other products that come from that as yeah. well. So. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's sobering. Um, Paul, right now, where in the world, what country would you pay the most for fuel? Which of these countries has the highest fuel costs in the country? Is it, This is for regular gasoline. Is it Hong Kong or South Africa? Or Norway? Hong Kong, South Africa, or Norway? I know Norway uh, does a lot of drilling. I, I think they're fairly energy self-sufficient, so I can't imagine that Norway would have unusually high prices. The rest of Europe, you pay a lot more than we do here in the States. If you've ever gassed up in France or Germany or anywhere. So, but South Africa and Hong Kong. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Hong Kong. Look at that. You're right for the wrong reason. Norway actually often has the highest gas prices. And I think, you know, five or six years ago did, but right now it is Hong Kong at $10 and 42 cents a gallon. Is that a gallon or a liter? That's I mean, a, yeah, that's that's the math being done. It's sold okay. in liters and per whatever they use in Hong Kong, I don't know. But if you do the math, it's ten dollars and forty two cents. That's the other thing is that exchange rates can impact yeah. that too, right? Yeah, if, yeah. You know, if the dollar is strong or weak in Norway, then it could change which one takes that. Well, I know Norway has been trying to wean themselves off oil mm -hmm. and gasoline and I think they tax you, it very heavily as a way to right. wean themselves off, yeah. Yeah, they're they're much they're farther ahead of us uh, when it comes to EVs. Okay, okay, okay. One two, more? two more questions, quick for you. Okay. okay, the original Model T got how many miles a gallon? Nine, oh. nine, twenty-five, or forty-one? Boy, <laughs> I'm twenty. I have never given this any thought. <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I would hope that maybe it was a lighter vehicle. It didn't have all the all the stuff, mm -hmm. the weight, the sheer weight that modern day vehicles have. I'm gonna ballsy move and go forty five. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was actually twenty five, which 25. is interesting that it you know, a lot of cars we drive now have the exact same fuel economy. Yeah, so that is interesting. I kinda wish we'd done better over the years, but I guess not. It'd be cool to drive a Model T, wouldn't it? <laughs> Still see them around every now and then at car shows. Uh, okay, last question quickly. In 1859, the first 
ever U.S. oil well was dug in what state? Pennsylvania. Wow. How about that? Now, Titusville. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Extra that. credit. Yeah, I know. You're not going to go for Texas? You, really? I can't believe you knew <laughs> no. that off the top of your head. Well, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Sure it was And then New saw Jersey. the light and moved to Minnesota. <laughs> but had to get away from that. All right. You did pretty thank well Thank you, today, DJ. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for the quiz, and we'll keep the conversation going. Mike Max, a lot of sports to talk about. Next. The Timberwolves playing the Thunder tonight on your Wolves station. And we still have to give away some tickets, don't we, DJ? Yeah, that's going to be next hour when you hear the Wolves howl, right? Yeah. Or are we giving them away right now? Well, I don't know. I mean, should we? No, I think we should wait till next hour. We'll wait till next hour. Okay, okay. Good. Yeah. Wolves play the Thunder tonight, pregame 6.30. Tip-off, 7 o'clock right here on CCO. Um, you'll be able to watch <laughs> baseball on your uh, Apple TV Plus subscription. Friday night, double headers. When, not if, when baseball comes back, Maxie, and good to have you back, my friend. Hope you had a, a good couple of days off. I did, and thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the phone is uh, Apple's going to be the big player here coming forward, and Amazon and all the great big companies are getting into the uh, Major League Sports game because there's only a few things that you can, only a few ways you can reach some target audiences right now, and uh, sports on television, uh, live sports on television, uh, actually just the live major sports on television are, are the way to go, so Apple's going to get into that as well. Interesting. So, Hey, I saw Major League Baseball and and the union. They were working and right up until about like two yeah. thirty this morning to try to get a yep. collective bargaining agreement. Are they getting close? From what you hear, I haven't heard anything definitive. I, I, I believed last week that they were really close and they weren't. Uh, but every time they negotiate till two thirty in the morning, etc., I, I always think that's a good sign because they didn't say, "Hey, we're shutting negotiations down." I think both sides know a deal is. Uh, uh, you know, important and imminent and all those things. Uh, that being said, one of the things that the players got to watch out for, I was to Steinbach about this today, is if gambling or Apple TV or some of those revenue streams become big in the next couple of years, and let's just say you sign a five-year labor agreement and all of a sudden, hey, Major League Baseball says, oh, God darn it, a year later we got this big deal where you can gamble and each team is going to make another $100 million a year, and the players are out of that because they, you know, they're cut in the collective bargaining agreement. That's one of the things that they have to be a little bit concerned about because some of these new revenue streams coming in, it's hard to project and it's hard to say when Major League Baseball will get deals done with them. Interesting, yeah. The only predictable thing is more disruption, and everybody wants their fair share, their piece of the pie. I get that. What else are you tracking, Maxie? We have tonight the Timberwolves playing Oklahoma City. You mentioned that, and, and, and those tickets that we used to you know, you used to give them away. Now, hey, there's a little value to that, right? And, and oh, uh, yeah. Uh, not, not the tickets are for a nice game, but they'll beat Oklahoma City pretty good tonight. Oklahoma City's down a little bit. They, uh, uh, they've they just, you know, they're, they're rebuilding, and, and the Wolves are on a nice run, and uh, Anthony Edwards is getting close to coming back. So uh, that's going to be big. And then the Gopher basketball team plays, uh-oh, Penn State. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yep, the We're... Big Ten tournament, rubber game. They've each won one during the year. And Paul says what? Um, look, I, I keep my expectations low when it comes to Penn State basketball. Uh, we, we've never been a big hoops team. Uh, maybe we will be at some point, but 
If I had to gamble, I'd, I'd, I'd wager on the Gophers. It pains me to say that, but I love them both. Because Penn State got them pretty good the last time at Penn State. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game. And and a little premature to write off the wild, right? Oh, yeah, that next game last night, it was 2-2. Two to two. Uh, New York had just scored a short-handed goal, and it looked like, uh-oh, here, come, you know, here comes the old uh, El Fodo again. And instead, uh, Kevin Fiala got a goal about a minute later and he and Marcus Spino both had two goals and they and, and, and they look like the wild that you know that, that this team uh, that these fans yep. came to love uh, early in the season still early I mean, I mean still uh, you know not like you're signing off on them but it was, it was a good step and then and then the fact that Talbot steadied it after that was really good for the goaltending Mike Max appreciate you man hang in there have a great show smile purdy okay T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.